Hello and welcome to Elegant the Podcast. As always, I am your host, Abdullah, and with me today I am joined by Zeke Alton. Alton. <laughs> Zeke Alton. <laughs> I got I gotta sound it out so I, I make sure I'm not mispronouncing it. Your English is spectacular. So <laughs> yeah. it's all phonetic. So I'm told. So I'm told. <laughs> How many languages do you speak? Well, only two, so <laughs> English and Arabic. <laughs> Your English is a million times better than my Arabic. So, <laughs> so there you go. Um, so, first question is the obvious one: uh, How did you get started? Who are you, and why the hell do you do this? Um, that's a weird one for a guy like me. Um, I came to acting in general, and particularly voice acting, very late in life. Um, uh, how I got started was I was doing community theater and the sound engineer at the community theater asked if I wanted to do a fan dub at the time. I didn't know what a fan dub was. Um, so I, I needed a little bit of education and that sort of led me down a hole um, researching into finding out what voice acting was, that it was a career. And, uh, and that sort of piqued my interest enough and I got involved in it enough that gradually I decided that I was going to become an actor, particularly, um, primarily a voice actor instead of what I was doing at the time. So it was like a five-year career transition. Wow, five years. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hell of yeah. a long time. Well, I, you know, the older you get, the, the shorter five years is. Um, I started acting, at, uh, acting again. I, I, I acted a little bit in, in, um, in high school. Um, and in lower school, I grew up in England, so different school structure. But uh, um, then when I finished high school, I didn't do any acting for 20 years, I think. Um, I joined the U.S. Navy and, uh, and had a career as a pilot, a uh, test pilot. And then when I was about 36 is when I started doing theater again, just community theater. And, uh, and that sort of made me fall in love with performing all over again so much so that I decided to quit being a, a test pilot and, and go be an actor instead. It was an interesting choice in retrospect. I mean, I've said this before <laughs> in a previous episode, but you never know where life's going to take you. It's a, it's a wonderful journey. <laughs> that is a fact. Um, I, I was at a point in my life where I thought it was a good idea to just say yes to stuff. And so that's how I got involved in community theater. So I was like, yeah, let me try that. Um, I had no idea that it would turn into my next career. Really had no idea. But you're, you're absolutely right. You have no idea um, what life is going to give you or, or where you're going to end up. And how did you, um, like, how did you find the transition from doing, like, theater to voiceover? Uh, relatively easy. Um, a lot of people will say it, and I think it's true. Acting is acting. But um, <clears throat> whatever medium you're in requires a certain uh, technical and performance understanding, I think. So, like, you know, if you're a good actor, you can be a good on-camera actor. You just have to know how to do it on camera. If you're a good actor, you can be a good stage actor. You have to know how to do it on stage. Same thing with voice acting. Um, there are, uh, and even within the genres of voice acting, voice acting in animation is very different than voice acting in video games, which is, a world apart from, from voice acting in like promo. Um, but the, the, ba the base root of all of it is being a good actor, at least in my opinion. 
Well, I mean, you have to because that's uh, you have to be a good actor. Otherwise, like they're not going to hire you if you're not a good actor. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you could probably get away with um, doing a lot of jobs just as yourself um, because a lot of people want to hire, particularly for commercial stuff. They just kind of want to hire your average person. They want a real person. They don't want to quote actor unquote. Um, but the more range you have, the more parts you can do, you know, like even when you're doing promo, cause like with promo, they, a lot of people have like a specific idea of what they want a promo to sound like. So, you know, you're not always going to get, you're not always going to get like that, um, that standard, uh, promo sound. Like sometimes it sounds different, you know, it depends on like what you're promoting. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's see, a, a basketball promo on TNT channel is entirely different than a Nickelodeon promo. And I've done both. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're a different audience. It's a different flavor. It's a different character that I'm building to do those. Yeah, yeah no, uh, because like, for one, like, you got to understand, like, who the audience is, like, you know, what what is the target audience? So it's like, if it's Nickelodeon, then okay, it's like six to 12. So gotta yeah. you know make it sound like appealing to six to 12 year olds and if it's like an mba promo it's like well it's going to be like the 18 to 45 demographic so you gotta at least i gotta appeal to that yeah um it's uh it's like that with everything i mean i have these conversations with my friends about uh about video games because as you all know you you've spoken to enough of us uh when you get copy for video game auditions it doesn't tell you what the game is it, it doesn't tell you the character's name it doesn't tell you what's going on it doesn't tell you the genre of game none of that stuff um if you're a gamer like i am you can read it and 60 70 percent of the time you know oh this is a first person shooter or, you know, this is this kind of game. This is that kind of game. Uh, you can look at the studio and go, Oh, it's, uh, it's Warner brothers. They do this kind of stuff. It's obsidian or it's Bethesda. You can find the tone, but could you imagine if you were reading for, uh, say, uh, Skylanders or something like that and you approached it like dead space, <laughs> you wouldn't hit the mark on the audition, you know? Yeah, well, one one is a one is a gritty horror game, and the other is yeah. a children's for game. <laughs> <laughs> actually, that that would actually be awesome. Now, now I'm imagining like Isaac as a as a, as a Skylander. Yeah. Now I'm, I, you know, every now and then when you're doing auditions, you kind of want to do something crazy, and you're like, well, you know, this is a gritty sort of like battlefield game. Let me do something really childish and silly. Um, but most of the time you're just doing that for fun or to show the, the casting folks that you, you, you have variety in your arsenal. Um, I think it is probably a better idea to hit the tone of what you're, you're reading for. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's always, it's always a mystery what happens on the casting side. No, no, it's because I, I ironically enough, I was like, just, I got, I just got done recording an episode where we were talking about this exact thing where it's like, you do these video, you know, the, you do these video games, you walk in and it's just so rare to know like what you're recording for. You're given like zero context half the time and you just have to go in there and just say, okay, I'm just going to give the best performance I can. And hopefully, you know, whatever this is, it turns out great. And if not, then, oh, well. Yeah. And it, you know, it can be a double-edged sword. If you love improv, it's fun. If improv scares you, it can be a little nerve wracking. Um, 
there are some games that I work on where I have recurring characters. So that's easy. You know you're coming in to do so-and-so. Um, and it's an extension of the story so far. And then there are other times where it's something brand new and you don't know anything at all. And you show up and they're like, oh, you're a giant space pirate, so-and-so doing this in the galaxy far, far away. And you're like, oh, okay, let me, uh, okay, let me try some. Um, <laughs> but particularly with the, with the larger video games, at this point, they know they're doing it to you. So it, it's not, um, no one's going to get upset if you're going to be like, you know what? Let me let me take a minute or let me try a couple different things. It's a collaborative medium, so it's it's okay for us to find it together, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean and, and they wouldn't have hired you if, if they didn't like like something from your audition, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that that's funny you say that because the, the last thing I went in for that I had no idea what was going in, uh what we ended up with was nothing like the audition that I did. Um Sometimes it's just that way. There was something they liked about the character in the audition um, that that resonated with them. But when we got in the room, they started telling me about the character. I said, well, let's try it this way. And it ended up seeing, being something completely different. It's kind of the fun of this job. One of the fun parts. No, uh, I mean, it's, you know, that, that's, that also happens as well. Like I've talked to people who've gone in with like a certain audition and then they've come out with a completely different take and they're like because they were like okay now i know what the character is i want to try this you know different take and they did and for whatever reason that take resonated more than the audition and and the director was like okay let's just go with that yeah the the fun of of making art is it's made in the room Um, and sometimes you can come up with magic so I mean, what what is um like what is uh, you know because you've worked on a lot of video games, <laughs> you know, going by your IMDb anyway. So mm-hmm. I, I <laughs> of course, that... is where I do. Uh, I would say right now the majority of my work is in video games. I'm working on a an animated series. Been working on for the last year, um, which will be really my first long running animated series. Um, I do quite a bit of work in promo and commercial. That's that's where most of my stuff is done. But the, of course, promo and commercial doesn't show up on an IMDb, so <laughs> you get to see the, the video games. No, I mean unless unless it's like someone, unless you go to someone's website, and the only way to find promo work is if you go to someone's website and they have all the promo stuff on there, because that's the only way you're going to find it. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, no one's interested in keeping an archive of that because it's not it's unfortunate but i mean it's it's a part of the it's a part of the business that isn't like glamorous and but i mean it's still it, you mean there's no fans for promo flesh <laughs> <laughs> no no there 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 isn't but <laughs> uh, but it's still fun to do no, well, yeah, obviously, and and that's where like most of the money is, like that that you know the promos are the one <laughs> is is where the is where the uh, bones of it is because it's while well, the video game stuff and the um and the animation and anime is all fun is all fun and all it's the promo and the commercials are the ones that uh, keep you afloat, especially when you're someone who wants to do this full time. Yeah, it's um. It's weird where the money comes in voiceover, um, but it, it's sort of a personal decision. Like I made the decision to do things that I enjoy and to not do things that I don't enjoy, regardless of how much money they make. 
Now, it just so happens that I do enjoy commercials and I do enjoy promo and I enjoy animation and video games. I, like, for instance, I don't enjoy audiobooks. Um, even if they paid a lot of money, which I don't think they pay nearly what they're worth, I don't enjoy sitting reading out loud in a studio for hours on end. That doesn't excite me. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not the first person I've talked to who hates audiobooks. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I have a massive appreciation for those that do it, more power to them. Um, but I know that they won't get any competition from me. Um, conversely, anime is fun to do. It's really hard to do from home. I prefer to do it in studio. Um, but it also doesn't pay very well. Um, so you do it if you enjoy it, you know? Oh, no. Uh, it's it's. Uh, I, I, I wish, like, it paid better because it's kind of sad. Like, you see a lot of these, like, uh, especially now, you get, like, a lot more newer, new, newer up-and-coming people coming into anime and... It's just sad realizing that uh, most of them probably got paid like $65 for an entire session. Ugh. Hopefully things are getting better. I'm, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the union, but um, they are dubbing was done. Union dubbing for a long time was done under what's called the modified dubbing agreement, which was last updated in like the year 2000, which is why nobody was getting paid any money. Um, but they are redoing that SAG contract this year for two reasons one in an effort to to get people paid what they're worth which is good and to make it a little bit easier to capture more work because right now there's so much non-union uh, anime stuff out there um and a lot of times they're paying higher than union rates they just don't want to deal with the union because it's onerous and a pain in the butt um so i say we the royal we because i think the union is every actor who's a member um, who, who wishes to take part um, have been sending in proposals for this is what we think should be on the new contract. Make this simpler. Make, make us get paid more here. Let's do this about residuals, blah, 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 so on and so forth. So hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll start to see some things like that. I mean, I know that um, the, the Netflix, you know, the Netflix, the new SAG deal with Netflix kind of, uh, they, you know, the people who, um, who do who do the anime for Netflix? You know, are are union and they get paid a little bit better than than you know your average non 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 union. Um, yeah, actor. a lot better. And beyond that, I mean, the union is about getting a fair wage, um, but it's also about having benefits. You know, even though you're not getting rich on a union salary doing Netflix dubs, that money is going towards having a pension. It's going towards having health care. Um, and there are also limits on what they can do with you. They can't make you scream for 12 hours straight and ruin your voice. You know, those are the kind of protections that I, I think a lot of people don't understand that the union really gives to people. Um, and it was good that they signed the Netflix deal. We're, we've been trying to build, use that as sort of a baseline to change the modified agreement to say, hey, you need to get up to speed. Netflix is doing it. All the other cool kids are doing it. You should do it too kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm glad as well because I'm like I you know not not to knock on anybody you know who's doing like non-union anime dubs. I mean they they're obviously doing their be the be their best, but you know as someone who grew up listening to a lot of like L.A. specifically L.A. actors, you know I kind of want to see those people you know in dubs again. And I'm like okay, so and because of the Netflix um, deal, you you're starting to hear them again in in dubs and i'm like yeah obviously you know i this is what i want you know 
what's what's interesting is I don't know the exact number. This is very close though. About four years ago, there were either sixteen or nineteen dub shows that were done under a union contract. Last year, there were one hundred and eighty nine. So that growth is exponential, and it really has to do with the Netflix signing the agreement. And if that growth continues, a lot of the non-union actors who are really good are going to end up in the union because they're going to be working on those those dubs that get covered. And so they'll be brought into the union. You'll have more union dubs, more people will be covered, more people get pension, more people get health care, you know, more people get paid better, or at least a fair wage. Um, so that's good. I, I talk to a lot of folks that think, well, once I get into the union, I'm going to get rich. The union is not here to make anybody rich. The union is not working for the Will Smiths and Tom Cruises of the world. Um, their name is their negotiating power. The union is here to take care of the blue collar working everyday person and make sure they get paid something fair, which is not 65 bucks a session. <laughs> yeah, not no, no. I, I have talked to people on the show and they've said, like, I, they don't want to do anime because it pays nothing. It's like, why am I wasting my time if it pays nothing? And I'm like, yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, if it pays, you know, we're, you know, if it pays like, you know, sixty-five or seventy-five bucks for an entire session, I'm like, no, <laughs> like I would be in your table. I'm like, no, I would, I would not want to do that. Even if I was like a huge fan, I'm like, no, it's a lot of work. It's time-consuming. You have to make sure like the the, the lip flaps match, and you got to make sure your performances you know, up to standard and, and what have you. It's like, it's, it's not worth like 65 to 75 bucks for an entire series. Yeah. And it, um, it's something that's one of the most technically challenging things to do in performance in general. And it's certainly not paid the amount of effort that goes into it. And there's really nowhere to train. I only know of like two people that teach uh, ADR like to picture for anime and, and live action. Um, so, you know, it, it's really hard to, to get in. It's really hard to get good. And I think people should be paid commensurately. I mean, these days, uh, this, this will, will date the episode, but the, the Netflix contract is paying uh, $132.50, I think, an hour with a two-hour minimum is what it comes out to, um, which is, is not great. It's not what the dubbers are worth. But it's a lot better than sixty-five a session, you know. Uh, no, no. I, I mean, I've said like, hey, it's it's not much. I mean, it's not a, a huge pay raise, but it's better than say, you know, sixty-five to seventy-five to eighty-five. I mean, is you know, yeah. It's, we're, we're getting there. It's it's a slow process, you know, and it's it's a bunch of actors who are disparate and all over the world trying to come together on one side of the negotiating table. And it's a bunch of corporations who have lawyers on the other side. So it's, that's, it's difficult to get a win there sometimes as the actors. Um, and and then you have the case of like Netflix being like, well, we're not going to license out the dub, our dub that we did all those years ago to, for home media. So it forces the home media distributors to just like redub the entire thing into English with like a, non-union cast and it just it does it just doesn't sound as good anymore because it's like well we can't use the we can't use the uh, netflix dub with all the la actors so we gotta like bring in like non-union texas people and it just doesn't sound i mean no offense to the people who who were you know hired to do that dub for of, of baki for the for the for the home media release i mean i'm pretty sure they tried their hardest but you know it's just not the same because 
you know, like night and day difference. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know what? This may sound a bit mean, but that's great. It's great that it doesn't sound the same because as a, as a union actor and as a, as a, a person enjoying media, you want what you enjoy to be good. And the only thing that speaks to production is money, right? They don't want to go through the effort of hiring union people, so they'll go non-union. Well, if the product is not as good, it won't sell as much. That will incentivize them and push them back towards union actors who are good. And that's kind of what people like me want, you know? Um, I think the folks who are non-union, because everybody starts non-union, who get really good will find their way into the union. Um, oh, no, work I mean, there for them. yeah no it's slowly happening like the ones that are really really good you're starting to see in more union projects and the ones that aren't are just like you know still yeah. stuck doing you know non-union so you know it, it it's it, people think that oh just because you know people think that just because you know you start out like lowest of the low you're not gonna like make it you know i hate this i hate this term it's like oh you have to make you know make it or break it but it's true because it's like you know, everyone starts out small, you know, be it doing like fan dubs or non-union anime uh, dubs or like some a couple of promos here and there. But you slowly build the resume. And as that resume grows, you know, more more clients are going to come uh, come knocking at your door and you're going to, you know, you're, you're you know, you're going to get there if you're good enough and you put in the work, you're going to get there. Yeah, just got to be patient. And, and my thing is you just got to enjoy what you do. Because you, you talk about the term made it, man, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> um, I, I would say I've made it, but I'm still very n new in my career. Um, but I enjoy what I do every day. You know, it, it's difficult to define what made it is. That's subjective to every single person. Um, for a Call of Duty fan, I would say I've made it. For a Ratchet and Clank fan, I'd probably say I've made it. Um, but there's so much more that I want to do. It's sort of a, you know, an ongoing thing, but I do enjoy auditioning every day. Um, no, I mean, I, I, and I love, I mean, you know, I, to me, like the best actors are the, are the ones that, you know, the ones that with longevity are the ones that, you know, are willing to go the distance and just throw everything at the wall and just see what sticks. Cause if you're, you know, you're if you're because if you're selective, then you know, yeah, sure, you'll probably get you know the the stuff you want. But you know, the 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 you know the people you see working, you know, or in everything, do that because they're not afraid. You know, they're not afraid to to you know work out their comfort, work out of their comfort zone, and just throw everything and I mean everything at the wall, and just just you know go in there and give the best performance that they can give. Yeah. And who, I mean, you have to enjoy it in order to do that. So I, uh, I have a question for you, Odora. <laughs> Can I, no. is that okay? Is that within the No, I mean, I go, <laughs> go ahead, dude. I love, I love having conversations, man. You know, your podcast started out with you and your friends talking, just having conversations. Yeah. And then there was a period where you transitioned over. You took a break, had some stuff going on and then you transitioned over and now you are, you are talking mostly to voice actors. So what what drove you to that? Um, I was going through a you know rough period in my in my life. I, I've said this before, but you know there was a period in my time <laughs> period where um, 
I was just unhappy, you know, with, with, with a lot of stuff. And I was just unhappy with the, with the podcast. Like, I mean, it was just something I did as a, as a hobby, but I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, I, I'm not like, I mean, cause I re-listened to, to those episodes during that, during that period. And I'm like, yeah, I just sound like, like I'm on autopilot. I'm just like, just searching for whatever stuff to talk about. And I just wasn't into it anymore. And, um, after a horrible <laughs> meltdown, I, I just said, you know what? screw it like i you know i did like a couple interviews before uh you know way back in like you know almost like 10 years ago now <laughs> 10 10 to 9 years ago and um and i remember um, it's weird it's weird like when you're at at your lowest <laughs> i remember something someone told me like years and years ago and i kind of wish i took their advice back then but uh someone told me it's like you know you you are passionate about you know, voice, voice actors and what have you, why don't you just do an interview show? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not interesting. I, I don't think I'm, I'm someone who's interesting enough to, to do an interview show. And, and I, you know, reached out to someone and, you know, they said yes. And, you know, I did an episode and I'm like, okay, if I can get this person, why can't I get this person? Why can't I get that person? So I spent like, you know, an entire year saying, but, but I, but I said to myself, like, if I'm going to be doing this, I I can't stop. Like, you can't stop for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, it's okay to take, you know, a couple breaks, but you got to keep pushing forward. Otherwise, like, you know, it's it's been for nothing. You know, like, you have to, like, reach out to every single, you know, like every, you know, every single voice actor you can think of. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter if they can... If they're if they've done like a hundred roles or like one or two roles, if they've done something you're aware of, reach out and maybe they'll come onto your show. And that's what I did. And uh, here I am, two hundred something episodes later. You know, it's interesting what you said. You you corrected your previous statement because previously you said, "Well, I'm not interesting." Well, that's not true. Everyone's interesting. And then you 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 stated that because. As a voice actor, whether you're new and have one credit or you're, you know, a Fred Tattish or a Roger Craig Smith or a Kari Walgren, you've got thousands of credits. Every person on the planet has an interesting story to tell, you included. So being interesting as a host is also what makes the show good. So, yeah, don't 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 sell yourself short. Give yourself credit. Um, no, I mean, I, I mean, I, and I have listened to old episodes and I, and I appreciate when someone, I mean, again, I, like I said, I recorded an episode like just yesterday where someone told me like, I really like what you do because you talk to, you know, you talk to people as people, you don't like <laughs> treat them, like you don't put them on like a high pedestal and you don't like, it's not the standard, you know, Q and A session, which I mean, that's, that's a fine format, but, I, but at the same time, yeah. I'm not. I'm not learning about like who this person is. Like I want to know who this person is. I don't really like the work. The, like the work speaks for itself. Like I mean, you know, because and at the end of the day, I realize like you know, voice actors like everyone else like don't don't want to be like ah oh, God, I don't want to. <laughs> you know, they don't. The like the last thing they want to do is like talk about work for an hour and so minutes. And it's like well, you know, just try to find ways to to make it interesting. Like do something that no other show is doing. And it's like, okay, I, I have yet to see a show that where the guest tries to have a conversation with, with the other actors about whatever, and it and treat them like people. 
and not like, oh man, you're so amazing and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's just, okay, you know, <laughs> let's try doing that. I mean, regardless of whatever level of celebrity or fame you reach, we're all just people, and particularly voice hours, we're voice, voice actors. We're weird people who sit in closed rooms and yell at microphones all day. So <laughs> there's certainly nothing special about the work we do other than the fact that we love it. Um, but it is true. It is more fun to have a conversation, a relationship with a person. These people are intensely interesting. Yeah, um, no, I like I love learning about I just love learning who, who a person is behind the character because it's like I, I because, again, it breaks the facade of like because when you're when you're I mean, this is true of every actor, like when you watch them in like a movie or a television show, you're only seeing, you know, the character. You're not seeing the person behind the character. So, like, seeing someone, like, break that illusion and just, like, listening, like, just listening to some people talk and, like, how they act versus how, how they act and, like, normally versus how the characters they portray, it's just so fascinating. I don't know why I find that so fascinating. Because it's interesting. Our industry is pretending to be someone else, which is odd when you, you know, state it that way. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Uh, I think one good thing is you get to bring a bit of yourself to every character, even if it's a small part um, of yourself. Um, but what, but yeah, back, back, back to my original, I'm still intrigued as to why, do, why do you like voice actors as opposed to like on camera actors or stage actors or anybody else? I mean, look, I mean, look, I, I it's, it's not like, you know, I mean, I guess it's because voice actors bring to life some stuff that we can't even imagine. Like it's is impossible. <laughs> like because I mean, alien sounds like that's that's a thing that no, I to, to this day I'm still amazed that uh, people get hired to do like creature voices, and, and it still blows my mind. Like every time I see like a I see D Bradley Baker doing like animal voices, I'm still like. Okay, how? But how do you do that? <laughs> like, and you've you've had uh, you've had my buddy Jan on here, haven't you? Oh, uh, Jan Jones. Jan Jones, yeah, yeah. You Jan, didn't uh, talk about you guys didn't talk about creature stuff, did you? No, <laughs> oh, God, no. Jan Jan actually, um, we we talked about. We actually had a conversation. We were we, like voiceover wasn't even like a thing yeah. <laughs> in that episode. Wonderful human being, and just cute as a button and you're like oh young soccer mom and she's always chipper that woman makes the most horrendous sounds like chill your blood scary noises can come out of that human being and it's always amazing to watch and go how is that sound coming out of you <laughs> no no i remember when i had um nika futterman on and she randomly like d did a baby voice and i tried so hard during that episode not to like get freaked out <laughs> Because it's like such a realistic baby sound that it just comes out of nowhere during like towards the end of the episode where we were uh -huh. talking about her her audition and she's like I didn't do the baby and she just starts randomly starts doing like baby voices and it just it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It it is interesting. So what um what kind of media do you? Uh, do you really follow? I know you like anime, and you like you're you're a gamer, right? Oh God, I spent <laughs> so much time on video games. It's what was it's your insane. what was your introduction to video games? This will date you a little bit. But what um, was your God, uh, first video game I remember playing was um, was Mario. 
the original Super Mario. And that okay. was I was um probably like five or six years old. That's good. That's a good entrance. I like that. <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit older. I, I had a uh a Commodore sixty four. Um I'm not even sure if you're familiar with that. It's a <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen footage of of it, but I, I but it was like I if if again if it wasn't like Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis, yeah, then I don't care. <laughs> it was it was pre cartridge days. It was floppy disks, like the actual floppy floppy disks, and you had to do a lot of programming and and you know really long load times. Um, I I actually got my first Sega Genesis on my 16th birthday. Um, that was the first console. That, well, no, that was the second console that I owned. I still own my Atari 2600. Um, it's not getting used a lot because you can't really plug it into a TV anymore. <laughs> oh, no, I had I had that problem where I found my old, like, Nintendo 64 and I wanted to plug it in and play, like, some old video games, but then it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> New TVs Doesn't don't have... <laughs> like, yeah, I can't plug it in anywhere. Um, do you know what... Um, you familiar with MAME? No, I'm not. The, uh, I can't remember what it stands for. It's basically uh, video game emulators. Oh, emulators. Oh, okay. Now I know, now I know what you're talking about. So, yeah, uh, I, I, uh, my son and I used to have an old TV, and we'd play the Atari. And, uh, <clears throat> and I got a, a wild hair one day, and I was like, you know what? I want to have an arcade. So he and I went in the garage, and over the space of uh, about a year, we built a stand-up arcade um, and put an emulator in it. And so it had like 450 or so of our favorite games from the from the arcade time um, all the way up through, I think I had a SNES emulator on it. Um, so yeah, so I, I got to I get to, got to relive those. I don't have the cabinet anymore, but I got to relive those uh, for a while because I grew up in the time of go to the arcade and spend all day like churning through quarters and burning stuff up. Um, and no, I, stuff like that. No, I remember. I, I think I said this in a, a previous episode, like I think uh, last year, I think it was. But I remember, like as a kid, playing like uh, Mortal Kombat three on the arcade, man, and 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 just picking reptile and just having the time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, yeah, I I look back and remember those as good days. Um, I lost a lot of quarters, but <laughs> but they were good days. I uh, remember I and I was lucky enough. I remember playing the X Men game, the X Men arcade game, mm. and uh, the Simpsons game. Oh yeah, the the four station ones, the run around beat 'em ups. Those were so good, and those are two of the best. The X Men. Yeah, and no, the... yeah. I and I I was still sad. Like uh, the Simpsons one never got a con a home release. I'm like, I want to play this again. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, I had that on. Uh, I had that on emulator. It didn't play right though which was kind of a bummer. So I never really got to play through it. Um, because as a kid, like that was my dream. Like it's like, I was a huge, I mean, I still am a huge Simpsons fan, but um, you know, as a kid, like, you know, growing up with the Simpsons during, you know, it's prime in the nineties and um, you know, going to the arcade and, and like seeing that it's like, Holy crap, there's a Simpsons game. And then, you know, you just burn through all those scores. Mesh of your two favorite things. So how do you how do you feel about the recasts that have happened in the last couple of years on The Simpsons? Um, 
I, I think it's because um I mean to I mean obviously like they, they don't want to say it, but it's it's obvious like the actors are getting older and you kinda need to you know, death is gonna come for everyone and so eventually it's like, you know, you need a you need a plan to, to get out of it. <laughs> you know? I mean I mean specifically with Apu and I think it was last year we um they went and recast all the black characters looking for actual African American actors. Um diversity and and proper ethnic representation uh, i'm trying to say this right seems to be very important in today's voiceover world and the simpsons sort of been at the forefront of that i mean it's great but at the same time it's like i, I kind of feel it's too little too late you know i mean it's a nice gesture but at the same time it's like it's a completely different uh, show than it was say you know decades ago <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get why they're doing it, and 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 again, like I, again, I think you know Kevin Michael Richardson taking over the role as Doctor Hibbert. That's that's great casting. That 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 is like who I would go for. Like, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Like, why that that is something I feel like would have happened like years ago, but it just only happened recently. Which is I'm like, yeah, like why why didn't they get like Richardson to do it? I mean, because he basically you know has the voice for that character. You know, <laughs> makes sense. But uh, I don't know. It's weird for me because um, voicing things that already are out there and have a fan base and have a life of their own always seems like a difficult proposition and not necessarily one that that I would look forward to, you know. Um, It's weird. I mean, it's always fun to do your own take on a character, but would you really want to voice the Joker, you know? (laughs) <laughs> oh God! I've said I've said this many many times before. I feel sorry for anyone who has to take up the mantle of Batman or Joker in voice form because they're always going to be compared to Conroy and Hamill. Yeah, even if they're really good. And then you know, how much do you try to sound like the original? How much do you try to put your own spin on it? You're never going to win, right? Because you can't please everybody, but. I, you know, how much it'd be interesting to talk to those folks and see how much do you enjoy doing something that already exists, vice coming up with something all into yourself, you know, that you own. You know, because when I usually ask people, like, if you could voice a character from an existing franchise, who would it be and why? They usually don't usually don't have an answer. It's like, well, I really don't have an answer. Like, I can't really answer that because because all the all the characters or the quote unquote, like iconic characters already have their voices and they don't feel comfortable like you know replacing anybody well and after a while that's what it starts to sound like in your head do you, do you remember the, the first voice for homer simpson uh, let's go out for some frosty milkshakes and and how he's sort of transitioned over time now to the homer that everybody knows yeah like so trying to if, if you were called in to do homer simpson how could you not have that in your head because when you say Homer Simpson, everybody in the world hears a certain thing, you know, we've already got it stuck in our head what he is. Kind of same with like a, a Megatron or an Optimus Prime, even though multiple people have, have voiced both of those. No, but I, but but again, with Optimus Prime and Megatron, like the people who took over, you know, I think the the, the thing with Beast Wars, like what it had was it was a completely different Optimus and Megatron. So Gary Chalk and David Kay could go like in completely different directions and the, they became like, okay. And, and they established like, it's not, 
you know, these aren't the same characters. These are completely different characters, but, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I honestly kind of, you know, it is, it is hard. It is always going to be hard because, you know, you're going to come into an, a role pre uh, pre-established role and people are, you know, obviously going to complain and, or, or have their opinions. And at the end of the day, you really can't please any, everybody. Yeah, that's, that's a true statement. Um, <laughs> yeah. And with the, the reach of media these days, even if you're doing something original, you're not going to please everybody. Uh. <laughs> oh, no, I, I remember um, when I when I interviewed um, Andrew Morgano, when he, you know, he when he came in to do collector for Mortal Kombat, he said, like, I knew that, um, you know, this is a new character. So I didn't have that that stigma of like, you know, a, a, you know, uh, of a pre-existing character. But at the same time, he's like, I knew that the fan base was going to probably react like negatively or hostily because they they were hard on characters that were existing and non-existing. So it's like <laughs> and, and he asked me like uh, what, you know, he's like, oh, you're a huge Mortal Kombat fan. Like what what is what are people's reactions to Collector? And I'm like, well, meh, <laughs> you know, the people are <laughs> kind of indifferent to that character. You know, I mean, it's a cool character. But, you know, a lot of people, like, are pretty much indifferent to, to him. I mean, it's a great performance, and Andrew's a lovely guy. He's a, you know, great guy to talk to. But um, but but at the end of the day, I, I always go back to that conversation where it's like, it's like every role you go to at the end of the day, like, people are going to have opinions about it. It doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a new character or, um, or a, a pre-existing character. Like at the end of the day, someone's going to like it and someone's going to hate it. Yep. And part of that is, it depends on your perspective, but part of that is the joy of, of why I do this. Cause it doesn't matter what you put out there. It's going to, you know, it's like dropping a pebble in a pond. It's going to have an effect, you know, one way or the other, you are the, the one thing that, that you fail, you failed at art. If you haven't moved someone to do something either positively or negatively, you want to move them to feel something. Um, so that is kind of what we do, you know? I mean, at the end of the day is like, if it's, and, and I've said this, you know, previously as well, but it, to me, if a, if a performance is good, then it's a, then it's a performance I'm going to be thinking about for, you know, years, decades, even like the stuff that, you know, sticks with me, it sticks with me. Like I will always remember, you know, stuff like David Kay's Megatron, because that's what I grew up with. And that is a performance I still go back to and, and listen to, you know, every time I rewatch that show and I'm just like, man, that is just such perfect casting. <laughs> like he was just, he was just amazing in that role. And, um, same thing with, um, with Welker's Megatron. Like, you know, you go back and re-listen to that and it's like, yeah, that's, that's who should, play that iteration of that character and i understand like why like i finally get why people really love that character yep but the, the funny and interesting thing is there are still people out there that hate both of those performances <laughs> don't know why but for some reason it's not going to resonate with everybody right well i mean i haven't really seen anyone talk negatively about those specific performances but i've seen a lot of people dislike um troy baker's joker when I'm, and I'm like well i really kind of like troy baker's joker <laughs> because yeah. it's the closest thing we're gonna get to 
I mean, yeah, sure. I get I get the biggest criticism that it's just a, a Hamill sound alike, but it's a good Hamill sound alike. Yeah. And again, it's re- it would be really hard to do a Joker without having Hamill in your head. You know. No, and I, and, I, so and I do love the fact that he said like in an interview that I was listening to that he said like I will only play the Joker only if I know that Mark Hamill turned it down. Otherwise, I'm not going to play that role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I like I like Troy Baker's professional compass because um, he has walked away from some some relatively large things just because of his own personal feelings, his own personal code. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, Troy is. Um... I mean, I know a lot of people say, I mean, it's like, oh, he's polarizing and blah, blah, blah. He's pretentious. But I'm like, you know what? Troy is Troy. Like, I, I love that he is who he is and he doesn't have to, you know, like, you know, with him, you get what you get. Like, in his performance, you know, as a person, you you know who Troy ba- Baker is. Like, sure, you can, you know, you can disagree with, with, his, with his philosophies and... and point of views but at the end of the day you know he is who he is and i think that's what that's what i think that's what makes uh, voice actors so interesting to me is because you know they're not putting on this like persona <laughs> that you know they're pretending like there's something they're not it's you know it is what you it, you know it is what it is well we have the freedom to just be ourselves i mean we're not it's very different because i work on camera as well and and you've talked to folks who also work on camera they know that um, when you work on camera, it's a lot about the image you portray and the type you portray. So sometimes you have to spend time portraying that type in order to get the jobs. Whereas in voice acting, you just get the job being who you are. And who you are doesn't have any impact on the characters that you voice for the most part. So it's a little bit more freeing. Um, also, there still is typecasting in voiceover. I just think it's not nearly as as um, as narrow as on camera work. Oh no! I mean, the people who do like the creature voices are the people that they're. You know, it's like maybe two or three people who are. I mean, it's. Uh, let me see. Uh, it's uh, Steve Steve Bloom, Fred Tatasciur, and um, D. Bradley Baker. Like those are the top three people that you see doing all the creature voices nowadays. Mm-hmm. And 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 if you're you know, and and if you want like, if you want, <laughs> this made me laugh. But um, I always joke that um, if sometimes if you just want to have a world and you want to fill it up with like female characters, like incendiary female characters, like you already cast your um, main female characters, just hire like Grey Delisle or Tara Strong, and they'll just like fill in the rest of the world. <laughs> Yeah, and, and those folks do tend to get hired because their utility belt of skills is so broad and because they're a known quantity, you know. It's it's interesting because as a new as a new voice actor and with conversations with other new voice voice actors, there's always the complaint that well they're just gonna hire Fred Tatashore, they're just gonna hire Tara Strong, they're just gonna hire so and so. But once you become that person that they're just going to hire, those complaints stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no, no, now it's not even like they don't. And now it's like not even Gray Delisle or Tara Strong. Now it's Kari Walgren. Kari Walgren has pretty much become the go-to 
you know, female voice for everything because she is in pretty much everything now. And so as an actor, that's kind of your goal is to be one, to be a nice person. So people like working with you to be good at your jobs. So people know that you have a variety of skills that you can help collaborate and make their project better. You put those things together and after a while, people start to go, oh, you remember so-and-so? Let's call them because we know they're good and we know they're nice. Um, And so, you know, that's really the goal is to become that person as an actor, not to get a specific job or to have a specific credit list. Becoming that person will lead to the jobs in the credit list. Well, yeah, because um, I think, what was it? Um, Invincible had like a had like an all-star celebrity cast and and the only like two established like voice actors were um kevin michael richardson and um gray delisle and and i'm like uh, and they they got those roles because they're like hey they've been in the business for you know decades now you know two decades now and casting directors know what they're going to get when they hire those two so it's like yeah you know we know we have a specific character we think will we know is right up you know Kevin Michael Richardson's alley so let's just hire him and I mean he's a he's a nice guy and you know he's good you know professional and he's great to work with you know let's just hire him you know yeah because I mean the amount of money that they're putting into these projects and works you you don't want to screw it up <laughs> you know a sure bet is you want a sure bet with the amount of money going into these things. Um, because so many properties lose money in the entertainment sector. So with all the things that you're taking a chance on, do you also want to take a chance on an actor when you don't have to? And the answer, you know, common sense answer is no, just get, get Kevin Michael, you know? Um, so I, I, I think we as a whole understand that it just sucks when you're not one of the guys yet or gals. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I get the frustration. I mean, there was a period in, in, in time where I, even I, as a, as a viewer, got frustrated hearing like the same three or, vo- three or four voices and everything. And I'm like, God damn, can't they hire someone new? <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but, but then I realized like, oh, the people who get hired in, in these roles the most are the ones that are, you know, give, you know, give it their all are easy to work with. And have built their um, careers off of creating, you know, good relationships with casting directors, writers, and and what have you. Mm-hmm. So, and that's how you you and that's how you make it really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so, it's it's hard, but trust me, if if you're determined, anything's possible. We're starting to see a change now. We're starting to see more, more and more new faces show up in in cartoons that. You know, to uh, you know, five five or six years ago was probably impossible. But you know, the industry is changing. It's slowly, you know, slowly changing. And I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, the streaming explosion made so much more content being made. There's so many more jobs for actors. Kevin Michael Richardson cannot be everywhere. You know, there's way too many projects for him to do everything now. There was a time when you had the handful of people and there was only a handful of projects, so they had it covered. But now there's so much being made. And then when the pandemic hit and everyone was at home and they stopped filming live action shows, they were still making animation and video games. 
So it got even broader and people who are not in that space decided to get in that space. And now we have a lot of on-camera producers making animated shows. And so the work is just going to continue to grow. So you'll get to see a lot new, a lot more new faces simply because there's not enough hours in the day for the, the five superstars to be on everything anymore, you know, and it's great. Makes room for dudes like me. Yeah, no. Um, and, 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 and it sucks, but, um, it really, it, it only took like a global pandemic for producers to realize, well, maybe adults want to watch animated shows that aren't comedies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Japan knew for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I, I just always laugh. It's like, oh man, adults don't want to watch anything. That's not a comedy. And then invincible becomes like a huge hit. And now everyone's like, yeah, maybe we should make more shows like this. <laughs> Yeah. However it comes about, you know, as long as there's more stuff to do, um, I'm happy. Yeah, no. And I mean, and speaking of, I mean, we pretty much like we got to get to this eventually. And I, I we look at me like stalling for time because I, I kind of don't know how to approach this. But, uh, you know, let's just talk about your your the role that uh, most people probably listening to this podcast want to hear about already <laughs> is uh, uh, your role in Ratchet and Clank. Like, how did that come about? It only took us an hour to get to it. <laughs> um, like everything else, it was just an audition. And um, I didn't know what it was. Um, I didn't know what it was until I walked into the booth and they told me. Um it was a pretty generic audition. If I remember back to the sides, it didn't have any character names. Um, it was just a pirate was all it was. Um, so I just did a pirate come to find out that it was a guy pretending to be a pirate who was actually quantum, who is the interdimensional other side of, of captain Quark and so on and so forth. And none of that stuff I knew. Um, but uh, Insomniac is has been making a games for a very making games for a very long time. Hell, they've been making Ratchet and Clank for a very long time. They know what they're doing. So when we got into the booth, there was a little figuring out exactly where we wanted him to be, and then it was just let loose and go. And we had fun. We had a lot of fun in those recording sessions. Um, that was a great team. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. There are games that. When the auditions come through, you know, oh, I, I know what this is. I have never really booked one of those yet. <laughs> it's always the one that's just like, okay, this is generic. Let me take my stab at it um, and try to hit the tone right and be as good as possible. And then it turns into, oh, my God, it's Ratchet and Clank, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and again, that, that that's uh... – I, I just love that, that, that process where you go in thinking you're reading for like a specific character. And it's like, no, you're reading for something completely different that caught you off guard. And it's like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. I will say one of the, one of the nice things about that team is I actually got to see some looks of the character while we were recording. Um, both, both uh, quantum and uh, the nefarious juggernaut. Um and even a couple of the other little nefarious bots that I did, um, particularly when we're doing like efforts, they actually had the animation of the effort 
that I could do the effort too. So it wasn't too long or too short or too big. It matched, you know, the rendering of what they were actually trying to do. That was incredibly useful. And I don't think you get, I know that you don't get that on a lot of games. Um, oh no. Insomniac are great when it comes to, when it comes to the little details. Cause I remember, um, I remember someone who did um, like incendiary voices, like for the enemies in Spider-Man and they mm. went through like all the different, all the different attack sounds. And they told them in explicit detail, okay, you're getting hit in the face. You're getting hit in the stomach. You're getting kicked in the air. You're getting slammed yeah. on the ground. <laughs> yep. And you know, when you do this for a while, um, you you learn you know the, the big companies like insomniac and, and activision and blizzard they know what they want going in it's a fine-tuned process for them but when you get to smaller companies or newer directors sometimes they don't know so as the actor you you have to lead the question you know the guy says oh we need 10 different deaths for your character you're like well am i getting shot am i getting stabbed am i getting beat to death am i getting burned in a fire am i falling off a high cliff you know these are things we need to know because if i just yell ah 10 times you're not going to get what you want we'll have to be back here again uh plus you know we're shredding my voice for nothing if we're going to shred my voice i want it to be for a good reason please um so it it was really good um with insomniac they knew exactly like like you said it was like okay here you're getting zapped with this uh let's do a few where it hits you in the torso let's do a few where it hits you in the face blah 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 um yeah it's it's really good to work with good teams that that sort of have that flow going and that's why, like, I'm a huge fan of their games because, like, the attention to detail is just, like, holy crap. Like, stuff that I didn't even think was possible, you know, makes sense. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> like, why isn't anyone else doing this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're... it's really interesting as a voice actor to come in because oftentimes you come in near the end of the process. You're working on a character or something that, a large team of people have been working at for years and they love it and they know it and they've lived it. And you're trying to bring something new to it. Um, But it is fun to be able to get a small peek into the process of something people have been working on for so long. And most good teams are really good about expressing, this is the character. This is why I wrote them. This is how they feel. And then I bring my acting experience to go, okay, I've got that guy. Now let me give you my rendition of the guy and see if that fits for both of us. And then we move forward. Um, And then you work out, you know, like I said, you work out the details with quantum. It was hilarious because we were trying to figure out what lines he did in pirate voice. And when he broke into his regular voice, because we didn't have that animated yet, (laughs) but the, the scene where he arrives with ratchet, uh, he's pretend he's got a bucket on his head, pretending to be a robot pirate speaking like a pirate. And, uh, and at some point the bucket falls off of his head and the other pirates realize he's a human. And he, we had to figure out, okay, where's he piratey quantum and where's he normally normal quantum, but just afraid because he's been found out that he's not a pirate kind of thing. Um, but they were, the, the team was really good at sort of holding hand through there and making sure we got it all right. And I, I've, I've seen the cinematics. It came out pretty well. I'm, I'm happy with it. It's a pretty good game. No, I oh God, I really wish I had a PS5 to play it to me. Don't we all? Oh, come on, Sony. <laughs> like I, I'm try- you have like no idea how hard it is like trying to avoid spoilers. Like I'm trying my hardest like not to go into any spoiler every detail because I'm like 
I have this rule. Unless if I unless I played it or watched it all the way through, I'm not going to spoil it. Did and I just spoil it for you? No, nah, nah. I mean, it's... I didn't really give any away anything that happens. Yeah, no, game. no. <laughs> he's in it and he's a pirate. <laughs> and he's in he's the that universe's quark. So there you go. Yeah. Well, you can tell just by looking at him. <laughs> no, but I mean, um, did they? God, this is so sad. But um, did they? Did they um, tell you like when they when they, when they were recording? Um, his normal voice. Did they want a a a Jim Ward sounding take or or something similar to that, or did did they want their own thing? What we settled on was similar enough to be the alternate dimension guy, but not a sound alike at all. If that makes sense, um, because the the in in Rift Apart, each character has their interdimensional counterpart. They don't, they're not sound-alikes of each other, but they are close, if that makes sense. Close enough that it matches the character. So both of the characters are bigger than life, and they're full of bravado and quietly cowardly sometimes. But um, um, heroes who don't know they're heroes kind of thing. And so the voice sort of takes on those attributes. Um, But I never, we never played any quark and was like sound like this if that makes sense okay good because i i mean like it's just like finding out why you know jim ward couldn't come back was just heartbreaking as a as someone who is a fan of his work and just like finding out that um you know. well didn't he doesn't isn't he quark in the game no he, he, had, he had to get replaced because unfortunately he got um he's suffering through um He's uh, suffering through dementia, and um, he got struck through. He got he got hit with a bad case of COVID, and mm-hmm. it's just so sad. Oh yeah, Scott White did this one. Yeah, and that and that's the and that's the thing is like you don't know like when you go into into a recording booth, you don't know who you're gonna you're you're gonna be um, working against because it's because um, it's just you in that booth and. And sometimes they'll play like a, a clip, or and sometimes or sometimes they'll just have someone read with the dialogue with you. But some, but most of the time it's just you alone. So you got to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's really good to be the last guy recording because then they'll have all the lead-in lines set. <laughs> um, we see that a lot in Call of Duty. Sometimes you're the first person, and like we don't have any other lines, and the writer or the director is just going to read with you. Um, but sometimes they have it recorded. Um, and then they'll play you in with the other actor's line, which is wonderful. It's wonderful when that happens. Um, it's actually, we, we've had an instance in Call of Duty where they went to pull the vocal ref for the character that's playing opposite me, and it was me as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got to play against myself, which was fun and weird. Uh, Sound like this guy, but I am that guy. <laughs> yeah. And it was it was good because it was a guy that I had done. It was a, a minor character that had a very thick Russian accent and was pitched down. And the guy I was playing was American. So they don't, you know, even though tonally they're similar, no one would be able to tell it's the same guy doing both. Um, most of the time, games try to avoid that. But, you know, when you're doing minor characters, um, sometimes they pop up in the weirdest places. Yeah, Um and speaking of Call of Duty, like how do you feel about 
you know, those types of games because I know a lot of people I have heard stories of um, had people on the show that uh, talked about uh, how um, how challenging those games are on your throat. Well, it's interesting. It depends. So if you're doing, we'll just talk AAA, right? AAA games, the Call of Duties of the world, those folks know what they're doing and they hire directors that will keep you safe. Um, all that being said, if you're going in to yell World War II battle chatter, it's going to be a two-hour session, thank you to the union, and it's going to stress you because you're going to be screaming the whole time. Because on the battlefield in World War II, you're screaming at your buddy. Now, if you're doing modern warfare, Call of Duty, or Black Ops, or Warzone, you're talking special operators who have throat mics with bone-conducting headphones in, and so nothing is really ever, ever screamed. It's spoken at... Um, like you would speak into a mic to another operator in a special ops environment. So we can do four hours. We can do 600 lines in a row and not be challenged on the voice. You know, um, those get challenging when you get to uh, efforts, um, hits, damage, and deaths. Um, and one thing people may not know is um, coughing and whispering are the two worst I'll scream all day before coughing and whispering because um, those really do damage. Um, I personally enjoy those games for a number of reasons. Um, one, I spent 20 years in the military, so it is my background. And although they are not all that accurate, it is so much fun to be in the session with the writers because they do a lot of background work to make the things that the characters are saying accurate, um, even when it's cartoony. Um, I love them for that. And oftentimes when we start riffing, I've done a couple of the pilot lines and stuff like that. And the writer will be like, so, you know, what would you say? Cause you're a pilot, you flew for decades. And I'd say, well, if I was a pilot, I'd say this. And that becomes the line for the character. Um, they're very interested in getting it right. Is what I'm saying. And, and I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it, you know, battle chatter with big time video games, I think these days is relatively safe when you're talking about smaller companies or newer directors, you can really get hurt. Um, luckily there are people out there that are, that are teaching people how to yell and how to scream and how to cough and how to die in safe ways and how to know their own body, to know when to say I'm done, um, I think that's really important to continue that education for actors and directors uh, so people don't get hurt because people have, you know. Oh, oh, no, the famous example is um, Dave Soboloff, his voice, like he blew out his his vocal cords uh, doing um, Modern Warfare, like the first Modern Warfare back in the day. And yeah. like he was yeah. unsure, like he, like he was unsure if he was going to continue on his career. But, you know, he luckily recovered, but like the, the damage was already done. Like he sounds completely different than he did like you know 20 years ago because of you know, the heart damage that's how much progress the industry has made in such a short time um no one's going to ask me to yell for eight hours straight six hours straight even four hours straight anymore because we we understand now what it's doing to actors the last um vocally stressful is how they define it session i had i sat with a director who's an amazing guy and we would do five to seven lines one take each and then we'd stop 
drink some water, talk in a normal voice. Check in. Doing okay? Doing okay. Cool. Five to seven more lines, one take each. And we would go at that pace, um, which is not something that would happen in the past. It was like, oh, we want an A, B, and C. But for, for these, because they were at full volume, it's like, just do one. And if there's one we need to go back and get, we'll go back and get one. That way we're not, uh, we're not running out of that finite resource of your voice because you can only take so much yelling. I don't want to end up with the gravelly, I smoked all my life voice, you know, in, in five years doing this. So I appreciate the, the progress that we've made from that time. Um, I, I've heard David's stories and, and I think experiences like his were key into causing video game actors to strike and to get the benefits and protections that we currently have now under the union contracts. And I'm, I'm forever grateful to all the guys like him for that. Oh no, him and Courtney Taylor are like the two best examples. Cause I remember Courtney Taylor also went in for like a video game session and she came out of it and she couldn't talk anymore. Like she couldn't like, she had to go to the grocery store and just like with a pen and paper and just say, I have like, you know, whatever i can't talk you know it's not a joke i cannot talk (laughs) yep but you know it's it's nice that it's not just the actors that know now you know the directors know some of the producers know sometimes when the producer doesn't know the director will tell them i i worked with a number of amazing directors who have gone way out of their way to protect the actor in the session like oh you know we have all these efforts and unless we want 10 of each do you need 10 or do you need five good ones? Because we'll do five and then go back rather than have this person shout 10 times in a row kind of thing. Um, that's awesome to have people on the other side of the glass who know, you know, who have an education in this and who are, who are now looking out for us. It's, it's great. And also, like, with, with, with the way games are now, like, you're getting, like, uh, monthly, you know, monthly or yearly content and you got to make sure you got you got to make sure those actors come back to to do to record new 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 lines for the DLC so and you can't do that if yeah. they you know yeah you got to have some sort of longevity or they just voice match you and replace you <laughs> or they just don't bother like they just sometimes they can't get the actor and they don't want to replace them and they're just like well we're just going to pretend we didn't even hire them in the first place yeah it's interesting i heard somebody say uh many years ago at this point that uh, and, and they're right no one's buying the game because of the actor um but i think as graphics become better as plot becomes more central you have games like the last of us that are that are interactive movies that as that goes on the actor and the character become a more integral part and become more important in the storytelling at least that's what I hope. No, because, I mean, you mentioned The Last of Us. But like, every time I hear, you know, Troy Baker talk about his experience on there, like, he, he was like, that That was the game that that not only put him on the map, you know, on, on everybody's radar of, like, okay, this is, you know, this is Troy Baker. That was, mm-hmm. like, that was a role that, um, you know, that meant the world to him. And he's like, I, I cannot mess this up. Like, I cannot mess this up because, like, the writing's great. You know, this is a character that, you know, I I like playing. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, him and Ashley, like, just, God, their performances are just, like, you know, talking about performances I keep going back to, I still go back to, to that game and just marvel at, at like, 
how how revolutionary and and like how it stood the test of time and how we went from like how he went from like the cheesy um cheesy video game voice acting of the 90s to this mm. and it's like man <laughs> and i'm hopeful for the future i mean i'm seeing a lot more auditions and because i'm a, a mocap pcap guy i've seen a lot more auditions that require a self-tape with a close-up camera because we're going to capture not only the motion capture we're going to do full facial capture and reconstruct your face in the game so this has to be a full-on performance and then the actor is required. It's not just, oh, we'll just replace you because they're using the full likeness of that character. You know what I mean? Like I'm working on a game right now that, that won't come out for years, but it has a full capture of my face. It will be me in the game. Um, and I think as we progress towards that, the idea that no one's buying this game for the actor becomes less and less relevant. Oh no! Um, as you mentioned that, um, I remember the Star Wars game, uh, the Jedi Fallen Order. Fallen Order. I remember, um, <laughs> I remember being creeped out by that game because like the graphics were really great, and 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 because I'm familiar with like Deborah Wilson's work, it's kind of it's <laughs> kind of popped. it's kind of surreal seeing um, uh, CGI <laughs> Deborah Wilson. Can I say something real quick? What? Like, can I fan, fan out for a second? What? I. When I was first starting, I was doing some, I can't remember if it was Hearthstone or, um, or World of Warcraft voices. And um, Deborah had the session after me. And I got to sit in and watch her work. Oh, my goodness. You talk about people that make creature voices. She is a, an amazing actor uh, and so much fun to watch. Man, um, there's a reason she's in everything. Uh, <laughs> No, no, it's it. I still laugh when I, whenever, um, whenever her and Phil Lamar are in a project together. I'm like, yes, Mad TV, yes. <laughs> and I watched Mad TV, so I'm like, oh, it's Deborah Wilson, yes. And she's badass. She rolls in. She's bald. She comes in on her Harley. She's like, what are we doing today? I'm like, you're the coolest person I know. <laughs> no, no, I, I, no. She's she's amazing. Like I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. But at the same time, it, it creates that. It creates that uncanny valley, like sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, it's 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 getting better. We're starting to see some really interesting things with facial capture, and uh, the you know the computers get faster and faster, and they take more and more pictures of your face, and it's getting it's getting kind of weird, but kind of cool. So, I mean, and and you're not weirded out by the idea that you know. A couple of years from now, a video game is going to come out with your face in it, like your actual face. <laughs> no, because I'm I'm an on camera actor, and I have not booked a feature film yet. This is the equivalent of that—a triple A video game that has full performance capture. That's you know that it's at the highest end. It's the equivalent of me booking a feature film, really. You know, I'm working opposite you know well known on camera actors, which is great. And again, they're going to lend more credence to the idea that the actor is important in the storytelling. Um, so I, I love it. Now I say that now when it comes out, I might be horrified. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> no, because I, I remember uh, playing Death Stranding and I'm still weirded out by CGI yeah. Norman Reedus. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. We're We're in that that cycle now where it's new consoles are out. So we're going to see what the extent of this hardware is, see what it can do, how good it can get. 
you know, the PS4 and the Xbox um, One were pretty impressive, but now we've got even bigger and better. Oh, no, it's funny looking back at, like, some of the older Ratchet and Clank games on PS2 and just being horrified at, at how, like, uh, creepy uh, Quark's face looks like in the older games. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's always great when it's now. When something surpasses it, you look back and go, wow, that was that was interesting. But at the time, it was like, wow. You know, I, I still mean, remember the first Mortal Kombat and be like, wow, they look like real people. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I remember playing the Mortal Kombat as a kid. I'm like, man, graphics are not going to look as, as good as this. Yeah, it was actually, strangely enough, there was a precursor to that, an old game, arcade game called Pit Fighter, um, which you may not be familiar with. You could only select from three characters, and they each had, like, three moves. But it was that same sort of digital photography edited kind of thing. Um, it, it doesn't hold up. <laughs> no, I remember. It's amazing, but it, now it's like, wow. No, I remember um, when Mortal Kombat was really huge in the 90s and the WWF, now WWE, came out with their own version of, of uh, Mortal Kombat. You know, they had, a, they, had, they had their wrestlers, like, digitized, you know, the wrestlers in, into a video game. I forget what it was called, but maybe it was, like, WWF WrestleMania or something. And I remember playing that as a kid and being, like, in awe. I'm like, oh, my God, the wrestlers look like the actual wrestlers on TV. <laughs> <laughs> It just, uh, it's it's just so amazing looking back at at stuff that used to be impressive, like back in the day, and realizing how did we, how how, like how was I impressed by this? <laughs> because it was it was the the bleeding sharp edge at the time, and you know, things were moving so fast with computing power and graphics that who knows what tomorrow will bring? I mean, we're going to be looking at a holodeck at some point, right? Uh, everyone wants the holodeck. Everyone wants the holodeck. <laughs> and then what's funny is when we have it, there will be something else. Like I always found the holodeck to be like a, a coding nightmare. Like when you think about it, that that must be like okay, we we want to create this entire setting with all these characters that are that that don't know their holograms, but uh, but. Uh, that act like real people and have lives and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the future of AI. It's, <laughs> it's closer every day. And I just, I just love the episode where, um, I don't remember who it was. I think was it data plays like chess with Stephen Hawking. If I remember correctly. And I'm just, I'm just thinking to myself, like, at some point in the future, Stephen Hawking had to sign off on, on the idea that, oh, yeah, sure, you can use my likeness for an AI and not uh, and still have me in my wheelchair. <laughs> God. And that's one, you know, that's one weird thing about the technology is like, at what point do you then just license your image or your voice? I mean, license your image is a lot easier than license your voice, but... Um... And then allow people to replicate you as long as they pay you, kind of thing. It's, it's always difficult. I mean, I know, like with copyright, it's like okay, you can't use this copyrighted character because blah blah blah. But but at sometimes it's like you know we want we want to have like 
this specific character was played by this actor and we want the and we want you know the the character to look like the actor who played them on on in this movie and and then you're like well you got to pay royalties for that cuz you can't you know use use their image without con- consent and it's becomes a complete nightmare and we we know we're in we're in new undiscovered territory here when you can fully replicate a human being and make them do things that they never did in real life you know at, at what point does that become does that encroach on the copyrighted image of what a person is i mean it's i, I, I mean like the way i look at it it's like with rambo rambo in 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 mortal kombat 11 like sure it's it looks like stallone and it is and it is stallone stallone's voice but at the same time it's like well it's still rambo and it's still, you know he's still he's saying stuff that that character would say He's not acting like Stallone, so you can have characters. You could have him dying in like violent ways. It's like no, Stallone is not the one dying. Rambo is, so it doesn't become this weird thing where you know you're seeing an actor die in horrific ways. <laughs> it would be interesting to know because when they when they make money off the Rambo movies, they have to pay Stallone. And they make money off the character Rambo outside in video games. Like he, he was just putting Call of Duty. Does that make its way back to Stallone, or is that just the ownership of the people that own the Rambo character? I don't know the answer. I, I don't. I honestly don't know the answer, dude. Like Warzone just had, um, gosh, what was it? Rambo and John McClane from Die Hard pop up in the video game. So instantly, I'm thinking, wow, there's some. There's some interesting stuff going on there from a copyright perspective, from a royalties and residuals perspective. Who owns those things? You know, do, do, does Bruce Willis have any say in how that's used? I don't know. It's same thing with the RoboCop. I mean, that's I mean that's a character like you barely see anymore, and it's like who owns the rights to that? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's uh, kind of scary sometimes, but I guess we're all going to find out regardless how it happens. <laughs> anyway uh isn't this fun we talk about voiceover and then we just ended up talking about copyright law <laughs> <laughs> that neither of us are experts on but it is interesting you know and that's what we want to do we just want to talk about stuff that's interesting yeah yeah um anyway it's almost been an hour and a half now so um <laughs> yeah. <I> flew by. <laughs> anyway uh any, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap things up Oh, I can talk all day, but yeah, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll have to do it again. Oh, well, thank again. Thanks so much for taking the time up to do this, man. And if you ever want to hang out again for whatever reason, then yeah, you know where to find me. We'll have to have that chat when the when the the other game comes out and see if I'm horrified about seeing myself. <laughs> How's that? All right, I'll talk to you then. Okay, bye bye. <laughs> Take care. All right, see ya.